We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Thursday, September the 23rd, 2021. Today's show, I break down this weekend's games. The Gamecocks host the Kentucky Wildcats in their SEC home opener under the lights at williams Bryce Stadium. Guys, I'll break down the game in its entirety. First things first, we'll talk about the Cats and Mark Stoops' team. Also, top storylines, key matchups to watch. Keys to the game is, again, guys, the Gamecocks look to get their first SEC win on the 2021 season. Also, guys, we got news and notes to get into, including the 2022 football schedule being released late Tuesday afternoon. Guys, I'll give my full thoughts on that. Also, of course, we've got your listener questions and a fantastic conversation. Great interview as former Gamecocks offensive lineman Mike Matulis joined me at 10 Roof live in the midst of, guys, a great conversation talking offensive line play, his days playing at South Carolina as well well as his take on the Gamecocks 2021 football season, the job Shane Beamer is doing as head coach. Guys, we have got a packed show here on a Thursday, and it's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention the companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. They're not a trucking company. They're a moving services company, and they're also employee-owned co-op. Their movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is invested in your success. They have dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black glove service. They offer end-to-end packing services, custom crating and packaging special items, and cleaning services as well. They're founded by Greenville Natives and University of South Carolina alumni guys, so a Gamecock-owned small business. They also offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs in 2021, be sure to check out our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media, at Upstate Movers Group, or of course, if you have any other questions, go to their website, upstatemoversgroup.com. That's upstatemoversgroup.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it.
during a season has its own specific vibe, its own specific feeling, depending on the opponent that you are playing. For example, of course, Clemson week is much different than East Carolina week. Georgia week is much different than Missouri week. And this week, leading into this Saturday's game against the Kentucky Wildcats, has sort of that special feeling to it, if you will. That feeling of knowing that your team, who's going to be at your home stadium in front of a raucous crowd and an electric atmosphere, knowing that your team has the type of opportunity that they have Saturday night under the lights at Williams-Brice Stadium, safe to say, folks, yours truly is fired up on a Thursday. Ladies and gents, boys and girls, happy Thursday. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, host of the Spurs Up show as always. Guys, appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I hope this show finds you well no matter where you are, what you're doing, whether you're on the commute, you're in the office, you're on the job, you've got the day off, maybe you're in class, whatever it might be. Ladies and gents, again, like I said, I'm pumped. I'm excited. Again, this week, just feels different. It feels different than any week we've had thus far throughout this 2021 football season. In regards to, you know, South Carolina has played lesser competition. Call it for what it is. They've played lesser competition. The Gamecocks have played an elite contender. Now we get to see South going to go up against someone that is sort of on their level in regards to the talent level and how good the football team is. I think we're going to learn a lot about this Gamecocks football team Saturday night at Williams-Brice Stadium. Guys, we're going to get to that. I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself here. I'm so excited on a Thursday. But, again, appreciate you all tuning in, guys. Really quick note before we get going, because, again, we're breaking down today on today's show. We're breaking down the game against the Kentucky Wildcats on Saturday night. Guys, a real quick reminder before we get going. Again, TSUS tailgate Saturday at Seawells. Seawells down the road from Jay's Corner and across the street from the Rocket in the fairgrounds. You cannot miss it, guys. Seawells will be out there. Spots 93 to 96. Yours truly is planning on going to SEC Nation that morning and then walking over straight to the Seawells spot. So again, we will be out there probably around noon, 1230 at the latest, and we'll be out there all day long partying, pre-gaming, getting ready for what should be one hell of a night at Williams-Brice Stadium. So, again, guys, would love to see you all out there. Like I said, guys, the Spurs Up show and the Big Cock Club flags will be flying at the TSUS tailgate at Seawells. And, again, we're going to be there every single home game, the exact same spots, Seawells spots, 93 to 96. So, again, guys, if you've never been, we get rowdy, we party, we have a good time. A lot of brewskis are deleted. A lot of cold beverages. RIP. Bad day to be a cold beverage in Columbia, South Carolina. So, again, if you've never been, come on out to the TSUS tailgate. Would love to party with a bunch of rowdy Gamecocks. Again, we count down the seconds until kickoff on Saturday night. On that note, folks, let's talk about it. Gamecocks and Cats, 7 o'clock kick on ESPN2 at williams Bright Stadium. Guys, Kentucky, of course, as we talked yesterday, a five-point favorite in this one. The over-under set at 48. That line has not moved really all week, as you guys know. Uh, the series history in this one. The Gamecocks lead the series history 18-13-1. But, of course, as we all unfortunately know, Kentucky has won six of seven games 
in this series. But Salcon, of course, like I said, still with the overall lead at 18-13-1. The last meeting last year, you guys remember the final game. Will Muschamp had been fired. There was a lot of rumors and a lot of smoke that Shane Beamer is going to be your next head football coach. Uh, while all that was going on, though, the Gamecocks went to Lexington, Kentucky and got beat by Kentucky 41 41- to 18. If you also remember, by the way, just context on that game, South Carolina traveled, I think, with like 45 players. So not a lot you can really take away from that game. I don't think anything that happened in that game really has any indication or applies at all uh, to what's going to happen on Saturday. But either way, just an interesting side note, Kentucky did win last year 41-18 to in Lexington in the final game of the 2020 season. Uh, real quick breakdown of Kentucky, guys. Their head coach, Mark Stoops, in his ninth season. And guys, give Give Mark Stoops credit. You have to give Mark Stoops credit for what he's built there. Um, Turning that Kentucky program around. They're they're a program now, guys. They're expecting to win at minimum six games, seven to eight per season. I mean, he's done an incredible job. You know, Kentucky, and I think they still fight this. Kentucky sort of has that that Vandy stigma, if you will. I, I know at least I look at it as like, Man, we should never lose to Kentucky, man. They're, they're, they're a basketball school, right? They're not good at football. But Stoops has slowly but surely changed the narrative around Kentucky. He's made those fans believe they can be a contender. They can fight in the SEC East, and certainly it's paid off on the field for him. Uh, they've started this season 3-0, and 1-0 and in SEC play. They did beat the Missouri Tigers in week two at their place. I believe the final score was 35-28 to in a really, really good ball game. I actually watched that one. Kentucky, a good football team. But they're 3-0 and overall, 1-0 uh, and in conference play, won by 25 points, I believe, in week one over La Monroe, and then actually struggled last weekend, as many of you recall, against Chattanooga, a game that it looked like they might lose there for a second, but uh, Kentucky eventually woke up late in that second half and pulled away and got the W. So, again, 3-0 and overall, 1-0 in SEC play. Uh, the Cats are averaging 36 points per game thus far through three games and giving up just 20 points per game. So, again, Kentucky offensively been very, very successful early on in this 2021 football season. Guys, also a side note, they rank sixth in the conference in offense. So do with that information what you will. All right, let's talk top storylines, guys. And there are so many storylines around this football game. But the first one, I want to just go ahead and jump into this. I want to dive into this is this. And the importance of this game against Kentucky. Just how important is it? And I posed this question on social media yesterday. Is this a must-win game for South Carolina? And I feel almost silly even saying that question out loud, but I really want to just gauge the fan base and and see what you guys' thoughts were. And again, you guys have not disappointed. Um, I posted the poll. You know, we're recording this obviously Wednesday afternoon. I posted the poll only an hour ago, and there's already 500 votes. 75% of you have labeled this game as a must-win again. There's still 23 hours to go in that poll, but out of 500 votes, 75% say it's a must-win. Guys, to call game four of year one a must-win game is a little aggressive, in my opinion. Now, before the season, I talked about my most important game of the 2021 football season. I labeled that as the East Carolina game, and I stick by it, by the way, that that was the most important game, the most pivotal in regards to the scope of the 2021 season and getting to a bowl game, right? You sit here two and one right now instead of one and two. I think that was a pretty big deal. Now, that is not to say this Kentucky game is not very, very important. And you have a grand opportunity Saturday night at Williams-Brice Stadium if you're Shane Beamer and this Gamecocks football team. Like I said in the early show, you've played lesser competition 
You've played one of the elites. Now you get to see how you stack up against a team that I feel like you're on much, much more equal footing than. And what's interesting, guys, about this Kentucky game is there's, there's many reasons why it's important, right? Of course, you know, the obvious one is, hey, you have the opportunity to start three and one. I mean, heck, the over-under in Vegas was three and a half. And the goal, obviously, in year one of Shane Beamer was to get to a bowl game. And it is to get to a bowl game. You win this ball game, guys, with Troy to follow, Tennessee, Vanderbilt. All of a sudden, I mean, you might be bowl eligible by the halfway point of the season. That's a very realistic thing. I also think, though, guys, and I'm going to be very brutally honest about this. I think this game is important, and as funny as it might sound, for the sanity of this Gamecocks fan base. For the sanity of this Gamecocks fan base. Because here is what I fear, guys, especially when I look at a poll like that and 75% are calling it a must-win game. Here's what scares me about that and labeling that game in that manner. Whether they are vocal about it or not, I feel like there are a lot of Gamecock fans that are really almost hinging the entire season, in a way, on this game. And whether they are vocal about it or not, I think there is a portion of the fan base. How large is it? I don't know. That's up for you to decide. That's up for you to debate. But I think it's a fair number that if this game does not go the way they feel that it should go, and South Carolina does not pull out the victory Saturday against Kentucky, there's going to be a large portion of this fan base that goes, here we go again. Here we go again. And when I talked about this game, when I did my opponent previews early in June, guys, I talked about this game specifically, and I said that, you know, there are a lot of things that Gamecock football fans can live with, right? We're not expecting you to go out there and win 10, 11, 12 games a year. We're not expecting you to go win SEC championships or national championships right now, right? That's not what we're expecting. You can get away with a lot as the head coach of the Gamecocks. Truly, you can. You don't have to be perfect. South Carolina fans can stomach a lot with their football program. But losing to Kentucky is not something many South Carolina fans can get used to or will get used to. So in regards to, you know, you've built all this positive momentum and this positive energy and all these positive vibes. Again, you're two and one, right where everyone expected you to be. And you're showing positive signs in regards to changing the culture and things changing within your program. Fairly or unfairly, though, Beyond the scope of the 2021 season, like I said, there's a portion of the fan base that I think they will feel that way if you do not get the job done. They will say, oh, here we go again. We got another head football coach who can't beat Kentucky. He can't do it. He he can't do the simple things like beating the Cats because there's still a stigma, guys, around Kentucky. I mean, Gamecock fans don't want to give Kentucky any credit for anything. They don't want to give credit to Kentucky for anything in regards to the program that Mark Stoops has built. And, you know, guys, I did this last week in a little bit of a different way. But I find myself doing it yet again this week as well, and that is injecting perspective. You know, last week, I did not want to kill positivity and optimism, but I wanted to inject perspective in the sense of just the task that was at hand for South Carolina and 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 fans that wanted to get upset and go crazy for South Carolina losing to a Georgia team that I picked to win the national championship, you're foolish. You're foolish, and you set improper expectations. Now, for this game, hey, 
Be optimistic. Be excited. You should be. This is a great opportunity for South Carolina, and this is a team you are much, much closer to in regards to the talent gap and the quality of the football teams and the quality of football that will be played on Saturday night. You're much closer to them, right? But the perspective I want to inject and will be injecting all week is this. Your season is not over if you lose to Kentucky. Guys, hey, newsflash, and this has no indication, by the way, of what my prediction will be tomorrow because that will drop tomorrow. But, guys, I picked this as a loss in the preseason. On that same note, though, I picked the Gamecocks to make a bowl game with a loss to Kentucky. So I want to warn fans and just shed some perspective. You got to tip your cat to what Mark Stoops and they have built up in Lexington. This is not your daddy's Kentucky. This is not the trash Kentucky teams we've seen year after year after year. This is a good quality football team you're taking on. So again, when you judge the importance of this football game and you rank the importance of it, hey, it's the next one on the schedule, man. And I'm not trying to sit here and tell you it's not an important football game because it is. It's an important football game for many, many reasons, right? But I just fear for the fans because I've seen it this week on social media. I feel like there's a large portion who are almost hinging their entire hopes and expectations and dreams of this season on this one game on this one game. And again, guys, the reality is this. You are a home underdog to Kentucky. You are. So, again, I'm not here to crush your hopes and dreams, to be doom and gloom in any way. You should be fired up. You should be excited. Hey, the Gamecocks are playing in a big football game, a pivotal football game this Saturday night at Williams-Brice Stadium. And, hey, It's a coin flip, guys. The Gamecocks have just as good a chance to win as Kentucky does. And you'd like to think you have the upper hand because you are at home. But again, I warn you, when you're talking the importance of this game for the scope of this season, guys, I'll tell you this right now, by the way. I'll tell you this right now. When it comes to the Shane Beamer era and, you know, everybody wants answers right now. And that's something I think I've been thinking that's, or I've thought, you know, over the months. It's just really interesting. Like, everybody wants to ask me, Chris, do you think Shane Beaver's going to win a national championship here? Do you think he's going to win an SEC title? It's like, guys, can we just get through the first season? Like, how can anyone realistically have the answer to that question? And no matter what happens Saturday night against Kentucky, whether the Gamecocks win by 30 or they lose by 30, it is no indictment on this program under Shane Beamer's leadership, guys. It's not, Saturday night's not going to tell us you know, what the Shane Beamer era has in store. It's just not. It's not. It's a pivotal game for the 2021 season and getting to a bowl game and, you know, maybe hitting seven wins, overachieving, showing you're ahead of schedule. But again, keep in perspective, Kentucky's got a good football team. And if the game doesn't go your way, and I know what I'm saying is probably going to fall on deaf ears anyways, but I'm going to continue to say it. If the game does not go your way, take a deep breath, And understand, okay, it's year one, game four, Shane Beamer, this is not his roster. These are not his players. He's doing the absolute best he can to change the culture, lay the foundation, and win football games with a bunch of guys that are not his. And that's no knock on those guys, but just understanding that it's game four of year one of what Shane Beamer's building in Columbia. So, again, very important game. 
Is it a must-win game? I would not label it as such. East Carolina was a must-win game in regards to getting to a bowl. It's a very important game. It is a measuring stick type of game, which we'll get into more in just a second. It's an important game. I'm not taking anything away from that. It's an important game for many reasons, right? But it's not the most important game of the season. And South Carolina guys, win or lose, my main point is this. South Carolina, win or lose on Saturday, can achieve all of its goals for the 2021 season. This Gamecocks football team can still make a bowl game. It can still achieve the ultimate goal, which getting to six and six or better, that is the ultimate goal for Shane Moore's first year, bottom line. So again, not killing your optimism, not telling you not to be positive. I'm excited, guys. I'm optimistic. I'm fired up, but perspective's a beautiful thing. Just keep perspective because you know, again, what I'm saying is going to fall on deaf ears. There's going to be some people that if this thing doesn't go the way they think it should, are going to want to burn it to the ground four games in. And that is the wrong, the wrong reaction that is the wrong take and i will call you out accordingly if you act like a slap dick in the comments i will do it i don't want to do it but i'll do it just keep that perspective though very important game win or lose though got a lot of football to play after this one. a lot of football to play all right let's move on to the field actually guys another big storyline for me of course you got to start with the offensive line and really not just the line but the line of scrimmage as a whole because kentucky guys here's the facts they beat you six of the last seven years. And when you look at what has gone wrong in this terrible streak or what have you, the last seven matchups, what's gone wrong in the six of those seven you lost, right, against Kentucky? Guys, they have physically whipped you at the line of scrimmage in every single game that you have fallen. The one game 2019 that you won in the last seven meetings, you actually imposed your will on them. But every time you lost the Cats, guys, they have physically whipped you at the point of attack. Guys, football can change a lot, right? Offenses change, spread offenses, you know, this, that, whatever the rules change. But one thing remains constant. If you can whip the man in front of you, we talked about this going into week one. If you can whip the man in front of you, you can push him around and you can have your way with him, you're most likely going to win. Bottom line. It all comes down to the big uglies. It all comes down to the guys in the trenches. What do you get out of your offensive line this weekend, guys? Because we gave them the benefit of the doubt after week one, right? Up, oh, you know, rusty, it's week one, whatever, you can't tell anything. Then week two rolled around, and you averaged 2.8 yards per carry against East Carolina. And we said, well, you know, the Gamecocks, we, <clears throat> we typically play down to our competition, and, you know, they, they were stacking the box, whatever, you know. We gave them the benefit of the doubt again. Then you went to Athens and got whipped. I mean, there's just you no know, you, you were you got embarrassed. On the line, you got embarrassed, flat out embarrassed. There's no other way to put it. So I think it's safe to say now the offensive line is a question mark and a major concern coming in this football game. Now with Luke Doty under center, which again, we're going to touch on more in just a sec, but with Luke Doty under center, does, does that change anything? Does, does that help the offensive line in any way? My biggest concern though, guys, is this. The strength of this football team was supposed to be running the football. And the last two weeks in a row, you've averaged 2.8 yards per carry. Give all the credit in the world to the Georgia defense and the hundreds of five stars of Shane Merced about their defense. But flat out, you have looked like pure dog shit up front. There's just no other way to put it. There's no reason to sugarcoat it, guys. You've looked terrible. You've looked horrendous at the point of attack. 
Your defensive line on the flip side has done everything they could, but, hey, they gave up 5.9 yards per carry last week, guys. And guess what? Kentucky can run the football. They got some great backs themselves and Chris Rodriguez, Cavassier Smoke. These guys can run the football. We've seen it. Hey, the name Benny Snell still haunts me, you know? We've seen Kentucky push Carolina around and run the football at will. Guys, you will not win this football game if you get pushed around and bullied up front. That might sound obvious to many of you. You're saying, oh, Chris, well, that's a no-brainer. But in this game especially, that just stands out to me as something you have to get fixed. How big of a jump can the O-line make? What will have changed? I mean, guys, what can you change? It's the same guys from last year. I guess that's the one thing that that does make you feel optimistic that, hey, it's going to get better because, I mean, it's not like these guys up front have never played good football. They did it all year last year blocking for Kevin Harris. But is it schematics? Is it the system? Is it coaching? I mean, what is going on? Is it the guys took the whole offseason off and, you know, were eating Twinkies all summer? I mean, what's going on with the offensive line? Inexcusable stuff, guys. I mean, again, We've had John Strickland. We got this great conversation with Mike Matulis. I've talked to offensive linemen, and I'm always very complimentary of them because it's like, hey, you know, people think it's so easy. And there are many, many intricacies and, and things that go into playing offensive line. We, I get that. I give all the credit in the world. But with that being said, how can you just let a guy who's lined up right across from you, how can you just let him run right past you? How can that happen? Those type of mistakes cannot happen. Hey, if they've got a Jadavion Clowney, if Josh Pascal, for example, if he gets around you, so be it, man. Tip your cap, he's a great player. If he beats you on that rep, so be it. I can live with that. What I can't live with is the bust we saw last weekend. So has South kind of shored that up in the last week? What does the offensive line give you? Because, guys, like I told you, I don't think the Gamecocks win. I don't think they go bowling if they cannot run the football this year. That's supposed to be the strength of your football team. And South Carolina is not going to get into a scenario and a situation with any team. It don't matter if it's just Georgia. It could be Kentucky, Mizzou, anybody. They're not going to win a football game where they get in a battle of, hey, we're going to have to throw it 30 or 40 times to win. They're just not. You're not built to do that. As we saw against East Carolina, you're not built for third and longs. Guys, if you can't run the football in the early downs and you're having to throw every third and seven, eight, nine, ten, it's going to be a long night for you offensively. Hey, you see how that's worked out so far? The Gamecocks ranked 13th in the SEC in offense. So we know what the D-line has to do. We understand that. That's a week-to-week thing. They've got to come out, show out, ball out. We all know and we expect them to do that. Hey, you got to be really, really good against the run and rushing the passer because Kentucky's pretty balanced. They can do both. But, man, that offensive line, you have got to win at the point of attack. You have to. Because if you can't, you ain't going to win this football game. Bottom line. My next top storyline, guys, and I mentioned him just a second ago, but the return of Luke Doty as QB1. How does he change this offense for South Carolina? I think that's certainly for me, guys. That's one of my, my lead sources of optimism going into this football game this weekend is that you finally have your guy back under center. Practicing all week for you with the ones, practicing all week as the starters. And as I've said many, many times, and I will continue to say it, folks, the best version of this offense and the best version of this football team is with number four taking the snaps. Again, is Luke Doty a perfect player? By all means, no, he's not. He's got a lot of growing to do, maturing, and hey, he's a true freshman. He should. He's not a perfect player, but anyone who would argue he's not this team's best option, 
should be thrown in the loony bin, folks. I, 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 I mean, I'm sorry. There's no other way I can say it. I'm really excited to see, again, an offensive line that struggled. How does his athleticism change the game for the Gamecocks offensively? How much different does the play calling look, by the way? Because I don't think you really got to see that last weekend because that Georgia defense, guys, they're so good. They just totally neutralized. You know, they neutralized Luke Doty's speed. They neutralized everything you did offensively. I mean, they're going to do that, guys, to a lot of teams. RIP Vanderbilt, who they play this weekend, by the way. But the return of Luke Doty, and I think you saw it, guys, in the second half of that football game last weekend, the dynamic nature he brings to the offense. Again, was he perfect? No, but if nothing else, guys, he made that offense exciting to watch. And that's saying a lot more than anybody else on this roster can say. So what type of life can Luke Doty inject in your offense? Because, guys, as you saw my best bet yesterday, I picked the over 48. I think you're going to have to score to win. I think you're going to have to score to win. I think it's a game you probably need to score 27 or more to get the dub because Kentucky's going to score. Hey, I think our defense has improved. I love our defensive line. Kentucky's a good football team offensively, guys. they got two fantastic running backs. I'm a believer in Will Levis. they got some really good players on the outside. We're going to talk about more in just a sec. But they're balanced offensively. They're going to give us some problems in the passing game, I think, especially. So you're going to have to score and keep up. How much of an impact can Luke Doty make in – his first actual start of the 2021 football season. Another top storyline for me, guys, and again, I, I just mentioned Kentucky and, and their offense, and I got written down here in my notes, guys, this storyline, the title is this. This is not your daddy's Kentucky team, folks. This, this Kentucky team, guys, again, before you go into this game this Saturday, go watch some Kentucky tape and try to give credit where credit is due. Because Kentucky is a good team. They're a good team. They're a very good football team. Tip your cap and give credit where credit's due. Mark Stoops has done an incredible job building this thing up. Now, the biggest knock on Kentucky, even though they were able to beat the Gamecocks six out of seven, didn't really matter. The biggest knock on Kentucky was this, is that they did not have a quarterback that was an elite passer or that could really even make the passing game a real threat in their offense. That is not the case anymore, guys. That's not the case anymore. Will Levis, I really believe in. I think he was a Penn State transfer, if I remember correctly. Um, he's a legit baller, man. I, I watched some of that game against Chattanooga. And again, I, I know they struggle with Chattanooga, but I, I honestly put no stock in it. But watching him throw the football, I mean, it's effortless. Truly a pure passer. You know, they have that part of their game now. Kentucky is very balanced offensively. They've got some really, really good guys on the outside. Of course, I mentioned those running backs. They've got a great tight end as well. So, again, guys, this is not your daddy's Kentucky team. This is not the Kentucky teams that we've seen that South Carolina has beat up on and had their way with. This is a tough football team. This is a good football team. So, with that being said, it goes back to keeping perspective and just understanding that there is a task at hand. I'm not telling you Kentucky some world beater. They're not. They're not Georgia. They're not Florida. They're not on that level, but especially offensively. How does the South Carolina defense respond to a well-balanced Kentucky attack? Because, again, they're going to do both. They're going to run the football with those great backs they have, and they're going to hit you in the passing game, especially when the secondary guys, again, are you as bad defensively as you saw last weekend against Georgia? No, I don't think so. But are you as good as you saw in the first two weeks of the season? I don't think so either. I think you're somewhere in the middle. 
how does that defense, how does the back half of your defense hold up against a dangerous Kentucky offense? We'll see. Last top storyline, guys, then we'll get in our key matchups. Again, I mentioned it earlier, though. The, the, one of the most exciting things is this, guys, and why this week has that sort of vibe around it. And one of the things you know, I'm most excited about is, you know, we talk about learning about our football team. You know, we said you, you couldn't learn a, a ton in the EIU game. You learned a little bit in ECU. That's still a lesser opponent. You couldn't learn a ton against Georgia because they're just so far ahead of you. This game, folks, this game, we are truly going to learn what type of football team South Carolina is. This is a true measuring stick kind of game for the Gamecocks. How close or far away are you from being in the top third of the SEC East? Or the top fourth, if you will, however you want to label it. How close or far away are you from being a legitimate, quote-unquote, contender, if you will? Hey, are you ahead of schedule, maybe, right? Or... Does Kentucky send you tumbling back down to reality of this is year one for Shane Beamer? I'm excited, man, to learn about this football team. Is the offensive line problem here to stay? Is Luke Doty going to be the true game changer offensively? Can Josh Van continue to be wide receiver one? Does anyone anybody else ready to step up next to him in that second and third spot? Do your running backs emerge and make a difference this weekend? Hey, just how improved is your defense? Just how good is your defensive line? Just how improved is your secondary? We're going to learn a lot of things, guys, about this Gamecocks football team. And again, I hate to put it all on one game, but this is, this is as even a matchup as we've had thus far this season. You know, again, you, you're somewhere in the middle of, you know, you lost to Georgia by 27, and you beat East Carolina on a last-second field goal. I think you're somewhere in the middle of those two results in regards to what type of football team you have this year. And on Saturday, we're going to find out which one you're closer to. We're going to find out which result you are closer to, right? So again, great opportunity for Shane Beamer, great opportunity for this football team. And I truly view this game on Saturday night as a measuring stick type of game for the Gamecocks in this 2021 football season. All right, guys, let's move into key matchups to watch. And there are some great matchups in this game, guys. I've been talking a lot about that secondary and how this is not your daddy's Kentucky team. They're not just going to run it 70 times. They can actually throw the football. So my first key matchup, defensive back Cam Smith against the Kentucky wide receiver, Juan Dale Robinson. And Robinson, the Nebraska transfer, has been a big-time playmaker for Mark Stoops and Will Levis. Uh, so far in the season, 18 catches, 337 yards, two touchdowns, and guys, get this, he's averaging 18.72 yards per carry. Guys, I thought the Gamecocks got a big boost earlier this week when Shane Beamer confirmed that Cam Smith had been practicing. He's 110%. He's going to be ready to go. This is a huge matchup, though, guys, because Wondell Robinson has shown, and I've been able to watch some of their film, watch some of their games. This is a big-time playmaker. I mean, this, this dude can make you pay deep. And again, we saw it against Georgia. We saw some of the busts and the coverage busts and guys getting behind our safeties and our DVs. That cannot happen in this football game. That absolutely cannot happen. I, I know the secondary is, is not a strength by any means, but you cannot have those coverage busts and expect to win the football game. Now, I know a lot of fans complained at, you know, after the Georgia game, why are we playing 10 yards of the ball? Why are we playing so far? And I know it's frustrating to watch, guys. I know it's frustrating. But do you know why coaches do that? Because they don't believe they've got the guys to play man. 
they don't have that. They don't have those guys. And so you're trying to avoid getting beat over the top and giving up these huge plays because those are the momentum shifters. Those are the backbreakers when they're throwing 40 and 50 yard touchdowns. But again, a great matchup. Cam Smith, obviously. Your top defensive back, hopefully he can keep his composure this weekend, but certainly I think your best defensive back. And then Wandale Robinson, I would say, you know, probably the number one playmaking threat on this Kentucky offense. You're going to have to account for him all night long. So again, guys, Cam Smith against Wandale Robinson going to be a very, very fun one to watch. Guys, my second key matchup, and you move to the line of scrimmage because guys, again, if South Carolina cannot win, I could have just put the Gamecocks offensive line against Kentucky's defensive line. I mean, really, truly. Um, decided to break it down to an individual player, though, guys, and it's one of the better pass rushers in the SEC, but the Gamecocks offensive lineman, Jaston Turnentine, against defensive lineman, number four, Josh Pascal. Pascal, a very, very good player, guys. 12 tackles, four tackles for loss, and one and a half sacks on the season thus far. And hey, you can list Turnentine, you can list Eric Douglas, you can list Jovan Gwynn, you can list Dylan Wanham, anybody, whoever's lined up against him. And like I said, you can list the Gamecocks O-line as a whole against the Kentucky defensive front because you're going to have to hold your own and win the line of scrimmage to have a chance to win this football game. That is stating the obvious, I feel like, going in this game. Pascal, a really, really good player, got fantastic ball skills. He's going to be an NFL guy. Um, can you contain him? What, what, what type of push can South Carolina's offensive line get for their running backs? Because I tell you what, you get to halftime again and you have eight yards rushing, negative yards rushing, 10 yards rushing, you ain't winning the football game, guys. You, you've, you cheated death against ECU the way you ran the ball and still won. That will not happen again. South Carolina will not win a football game. Guys, I would say if you rush for less than 100 yards, you don't win this football game. You don't have a chance. Also, protecting Luke Doty. Hey, I know he's fleet of foot. I know he's mobile. But, God, he damn near got killed last week. Can your offensive line give him just a little bit of time? Just a little bit. Because if you can, hey, I think you got some guys that can you can beat Kentucky with on the outside. I think you have some playmakers who can make some plays for you. But, damn, he's got to have more than a second and a half to throw. So, again, Jaston Turnentine, you could list any Gamecocks offensive line, and, though, you've got to account for Josh Pascal, a really, really talented pass rusher in this league. Guys, my final key matchup, and I was just talking about Salcom's offense, the playmakers. I think the tight ends are going to and need to play a major role in this game. And the guy who has got to touch the football more, in my mind, he's way too athletic, guys. He's way too talented of a football player to not touch the football. And that is tight end Jaheim Bell. Jaheim Bell against the Kentucky safety, Yusuf Corker. A really fun match to watch, guys. Again, Corker, one of the better DBs, 17 tackles on the season. He's got one tackle for loss and one sack as well. I believe Corker, if I remember correctly, I should know this, but I think Corker led them in interceptions a season ago as well. Really good player. But Jaheim Bell, being that mismatch nightmare, being that guy you can put all over the field, you can put him in the slot, you can put him at tight end, you can put him at H-back, you can put him at running back, wherever you want to put him. I think Jaheim Bell is a guy you need to get involved in the offensive game plan. I love what I've seen from Josh Van. We know the running backs are capable. you got to find somebody else, though, guys. And Jaheim Bell, we saw flashes of what he could do in week one. We have not heard from him or Nick Muse, really, since then. You have got to find a way. Marcus Satterfield, Shane Beamer, they've got to find a way to get Jaheim Bell in this football game because I think he's a guy that you can have a lot of favorable matchups when he's in the game. You can expose and, you know, 
create some big plays on that Kentucky defense, and you can make big things happen. So, again, guys, my final key matchup, Jaheim Bell against Yusuf Corker, the talented Kentucky defensive back. Going to be a really fun one to watch. Again, you got to use the tight ends. Tight end to win, as my good buddies Andy Boyd and Eric Kemry would say, Jaheim Bell needs to touch the football Saturday night. All right, guys, let's get into our keys to the game. Keys to the game for Saturday night as the Gamecocks take on the Kentucky Wildcats. Guys, I've been talking offensive line and the line of scrimmage the entire time, so it's no secret. My first key to the game, win with physicality. The more physical team will win this football game. Again, is that flashy? Is that sexy? Is it the most fun thing to talk about? No, it's not, guys. But again, like I told you going into week one, and I'll tell you with this one, Kentucky has beat you six out of seven. And the reason they beat you six out of seven, they have been the more physical football team. Every single time they beat you, I feel like you've been able to look back at the game and say, they were just more physical than us. They whipped our ass at the line of scrimmage. That's got to be an attitude thing, man. That, that's got to be an attitude this week from the Gamecocks offensive line, the defensive line, really the entire football team. Because guess what, guys? When you're running the football, receivers are blocking as well. Tight ends are blocking as well. It's got to be a mindset going into this weekend. Hey, we are going to be the aggressor. We are going to be the more physical football team. On Saturday night, come hell or high water, no matter what else happens, win or lose, we will be the more physical football team. If you can do that, if you can get back to being physical in the trenches and playing hardball and running the football and establishing the run, hey, there's a good chance you have a fun night and there's a good chance you win this football game and you get to three and one. If you cannot do that, if you get whipped up front again, you will lose to Kentucky again. I can guarantee you that. So again, win with physicality. The more physical football team is going to be the one that walks out of Williams-Brice Stadium victorious on Saturday night. My second key to the game, in a game like this, guys, where you're the home underdog, and again, I know it's a, it's a small spread, five points, but you are the home underdog, and it's a coin flip type of game. Turnovers, 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 and not just turnovers, guys, but timely turnovers and opportunistic Defense. We've seen this defense, guys, especially the secondary, capitalize greatly. Guys, Jalen, excuse me, uh, Jalen Foster is leading the SEC in interceptions with three. You have six interceptions as a whole in this secondary. Incredible. It's been wild. And the secondary obviously is much improved. But it's not just about getting those turnovers. We've seen South Carolina get turnovers against Kentucky and lose, right? Hey, think back to 2017. I know we don't like to, but certainly it happened, right? But Kentucky's going to move the football. They're going to have some success against you. But can you create that big game-changing, that momentum-changing turnover? You know, down in the red zone, in a, in, a, in a late portion of the game, you know, just before the half, just in those pivotal moments, is your defense able to come up with that big play when you need it most? Going to go a long way in terms of the victory. Again, second key to the game, timely turnovers. My final key, and I'm challenging Gamecock fans this weekend, man. Hey, we all complained when it was COVID and it was limited capacity. And I did this exact same thing, by the way, during baseball. I challenged the Rowdy Roosters. Hey, you wanted full capacity? You got it. Get to Founders Park. Let's be loud. Let's be crazy. And sure enough, the Rowdy Roosters showed up and showed out. Well, we all clamored all preseason for a packed Willie B and 100% capacity and this and that and whatever. And Shane Beamer has pleaded with the Gamecocks fan base this week. Be early, be loud. Yell so loud, it splits your mask in half if you're wearing one. 
Make Gamecock walk insane, right? Create an electric atmosphere. And I'm not going to harp on it too much, but Gamecock fans, at least those on social media, oh, man, can't wait to get to Willie B, 100% capacity. And then you show up for the EIU game, and there's 64,000 people there. Okay? So I'm challenging the Gamecocks fan base. Don't talk about it. Be about it. And it's certainly sounding like this will be a sellout, which is fantastic news. That's exactly what we all want to hear. That's great. Now, if you're the Gamecocks, my final key to the game is this. You are the home underdog. You have a fantastic opportunity in front of you to get a monumental, I say monumental for, for in the scope of the 2021 season, and to put on a show for your fan base. Guys, your fan base is starving for something good to happen. Your fan base is starving for success. And if you're the Gamecocks, my final key to the game is this. They're starving. Feed the crowd. Feed them. Make a play early in this football game that gets your crowd, keeps your crowd, and it makes life absolute hell on the Kentucky Wildcats. You want Williams-Brice Stadium. You want Sandstorm going all night. You want the, as the Kentucky beat writer said, the stupid rooster sound, whatever the hell that slapdick said. You want that playing all night. You want Kentucky to look around and say, what freaking madhouse did we walk into? Feed the crowd. Make plays early in the game. Get off to a fast start, whether it be defensively, offensively, special teams, whatever. Momentum is a fickle mistress. And in a game like this, when you're the home underdog and you're technically trying to, quote-unquote, pull the upset, you want momentum on your side. So, again, guys, my three keys to the game, win with physicality, timely turnovers, and feed the crowd. You do those three things, I think your chances of winning the football game and getting to 3-1 and are very very, very good. So again, guys, that's my breakdown of the Gamecocks game against Kentucky on Saturday. Tomorrow's show, I will have my official prediction. I'll lock it in. How do I think South Carolina is going to fare against the Kentucky Wildcats? You guys will know on tomorrow's show. Very much so looking forward to that. All right, guys, uh, one quick note, and then we'll get into your listener questions. And it's actually a, a pretty, pretty important note. Uh, the 2022 football schedule was released Tuesday night. I'll go through this really, really quickly and then give you guys my brief thoughts. Um, the schedule looks like this. The Gamecocks open their season against Georgia State at home, then travel to Arkansas week two, Georgia at home week three, Charlotte at home week four, South Carolina State at home week five, at Kentucky in week six, a bye in week seven, then return home for back-to-back -back home games against A&M and Mizzou, then travel to Vandy at Florida, Tennessee at home, and then at Clemson. Guys, again, I, I think it's a very favorable schedule for Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks. It reminds me a lot of this year's schedule. Again, the, the most notable one is that you travel to Arkansas. You trade Auburn for Arkansas, which, again, Arkansas, you look at their program, what they're doing, that's going to be one hell of a test and one hell of a challenge in week two. But, um, you know, the front half sets up beautifully, man. You have Georgia State, Charlotte, and South Carolina State in the first five weeks of the season. And, guys, you have, a, you have a period where you have, you know, four of your first five games are at home. You've got three straight home games. Then later in the season, you've got, you know, two straight home games after the bye week. I think the schedule sets up very well, guys. I think it actually sets up very, very well for the Gamecocks to get to, you know, seven, maybe eight wins, maybe nine in Shane Bieber's second year, again, I, I'm, it's way too early, obviously, to make projections for that season. But I say the schedule, especially in the front half, man, it gives you the opportunity yet again, just like this year, 
to build early positive momentum in your season. It gives you a, a, a great opportunity to build that early positive momentum. So again, going to be really interesting in 2022. But right now, of course, <laughs> we are focused on this 2021 season. On that note, guys, let's get into your listener questions. Your listener questions for this Saturday's game against the Kentucky Wildcats. Here we go. We'll start with Brendan Smith, 47. He says, chances that Kevin Harris and Marshawn Lloyd both find the end zone on Saturday. Man, I'd just love to see one of them find it. I, both chances they both find, I'll say 20%. Um, I don't know. It's tough to say. You know what I mean? Who gets the ball down around the goal line? Hey, but if you're going to score in the red zone in a situation like that, God, you got to block. You got to block. You got to block somebody. Uh, Krusty Andy says, did Chattanooga show us a blueprint of how to beat UK or just a bad game by UK? Yeah, I, I, Krusty, I, I don't. I don't put a lot of stock in that game. You know, I think the game set up beautifully for a letdown for Kentucky. You know, emotional night game win an SEC game against Mizzou. You know, you're back home for a noon kickoff against an FCS school. I mean, guys, we've seen Carolina do the same thing Kentucky did last weekend. So what type of stock can you really invest in that performance? I don't think any, to be honest with you. Uh, Michael Mackey underscore five says over under on a cold adult beverages consumed this weekend. If you're talking about for me, I'll say the average uh, over-unders, uh, 10 and a half. There's going to be a lot of, well, actually we'll go 13 and a half. I think it's the over-under 13 and a half. I, I think that's a pretty fair number to be like, dude, you're talking about people are going to be getting out there at noon or one o'clock. Shit. Gamecock fans can put down some beer now for show for show, including yours truly. Um, cream Della Carter says the D line is underperforming. I, I wouldn't agree with that. I mean, listen, you went up against a really talented Georgia offensive line. Um, and guys, I'll be honest. I didn't, I, I love this D line. I think they're great. I didn't list this D line as one of the you know top two or three in the sec. Um, I think your D line at this point has been pretty much on par with what I hope for and expected great challenge this weekend though. Tyler eight, nine, eight, five says, how do you feel about the defense's chances to contain UK's running back quarterback? I mean, solid. I, I do think Kentucky's going to move the football though. I, I think they're a pretty good football team. I think they're balanced. They've got great backs. They got playmakers on the outside. I'm a believer in Will Levis. Um, but again, a great opportunity for your defense just to show how improved they are from a season ago. Josh Dot Wren says, "What needs to take place in order for South Carolina's O line to take that much needed step forward?" <sighs> Josh, that's if I had the answer to that question, I'd call Shane Beamer up right now and tell him. I, I mean, for lack of a better way of putting it, guys, we just got to get our heads out of our you know wheres and just play, go play football. I mean, that's it. That's it. We got the talent. We got the talent. Obviously, we have the talent. Just go play. Be the more physical bunch. Take pride in it. Take pride in it. Go do it, man. C.Armstrong.2 says, do you know why EJ Jenkins isn't getting much playing time? Guys, I just think it's honestly he's adjusting to the SEC level. And, you know, I, I know fans hyped up EJ Jenkins, and this is no disrespect to him, but, guys, he went to an FCS school for a reason. Just because you're six foot seven doesn't mean you're a good SEC wide receiver. So, is he going to play this year? I think yes. Is he going to make some plays for us? I think yes, but. Guys, I think he's just buried on the depth chart right now. That, that's why you're not seeing him out there. We have better options than EJ Jenkins at the current moment. So that is what it is, man. Last question. Colin M. Floyd says, Kevin Harris was the leading rusher. Why hasn't the coaching staff tried to get him more involved? Well, I think Colin coming off of the injury, they've, cut, they've kind of tried to ease him into things. But, I mean, he had 16 carries last week, man. But when you can't block any better than what we're blocking – I would, I will tell you this though. I don't know if you guys remember what Kevin Harris did at Kentucky last year. I would not be shocked at all if Kevin Harris has a big game for South Carolina. I, I just, I would not be shocked at all. If there's anything for this offensive line that you can hang your hat on from the game last year is that you ran it all 
over, all over Kentucky. So that bodes, you would like to think at least that bodes pretty well for the game on Saturday. So again, guys, that's going to do it. Appreciate the listener questions, guys. Appreciate you all tuning in, guys. Thank you all so much. Now, don't go anywhere. we got a great conversation. Former Gamecocks offensive lineman, Mike Matulis. And Mike, again, had him on the show almost a year to the date. Mike, a really, really cool dude. Uh, played during the best years of South Carolina football, obviously. And again, getting his perspective, talking offensive line, talking Shane Beamer, everything going on with the 2021 football season. Really, really, really great stuff. And again, appreciate Mike taking the time to chat. Again, guys, appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all so much. Have a great rest of your Thursday. Now enjoy this conversation with former Gamecocks offensive lineman, Mike Matulis. Mikey Matulis. He doesn't have quite the dreads anymore, so you might not recognize him. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, joining me here on stage, Mike, it's kind of ironic, by the way. I, you know, I, I, uh, I get like the notifications when, uh, for like the past shows and stuff, whatever, like a year ago to the date. It was basically a year ago to the date that we had you on the podcast. So I was like, yeah. perfect, ter- perfect timing. Here, put that boy in your face right there. But uh, no, it's like about, about a year ago to the date, man. It's awesome to have you on. I think it's perfect because we had a uh, – I can get situated here. We had John Strickland on last week talking offensive line. Mm-hmm. So now we got two straight weeks of former offensive linemen. And I feel like it's perfect timing, again, especially with how this season's going and – what's going on with the O-line. But first thing, Mike, appreciate you taking the time. I mean, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. Um, how you been, by the way? You, you, you still you throwing punches? On. You still throwing haymakers or what? So, uh, looking to still fight, looking to try to get a fight maybe December, but mostly right now, just real yeah. estate. So, if you guys are looking to buy or sell, <laughs> yes. just let me know. <laughs> yes, absolutely, yes. Hit up Mike, yes, especially <laughs> what, on IG, right? It's like, yes. I think your number's in the in the uh, description and everything, too. Yes. So, yep. yes. And we'll be sure to, by the way, we'll be sure to push that on social uh-huh. media, anybody in the area. But, uh, no, I mean, like I said, it's great to have you on. I, I, before we talk about this year's team, what you've seen from the offense, line, obviously we got to talk about your career and, because, obviously, you played on some of the best teams in school history. Got You got there in 11, right? That was your first year? Yeah, yes. got there in 11, and you just battled the injury bug the entire time, which led you to be at Carolina for, what, five years, I believe? Yes, Until 15? Uh-huh. Yeah, so um, I'm curious. If, if you were – if you guys were blocking as – and I don't want to be too harsh on them, but call it what it is. If you guys were blocking as poorly as our guys are right now, what would Coach Spurrier have said to the offensive line guys? Well, I don't know, man. You, you guys just need to get out there and just do better. But, uh, no, I mean, it's it's um, it's um an adjustment period. I, they definitely um, – you know, it's hard to say because I've been on that side of it. So, right. I, I know what it's like when other people are like, man, y'all need to get it – you know, get yeah. things going, get things rolling. Um, but the offensive line, it, it's uh, – it needs some work. Yeah. Um, Definitely need some work. And that's why I like talking to former offensive linemen, though, is because, I mean, again, I and I said this on – I've said this on many, many occasions. It's like, you know, people don't understand the intricacies and everything that goes into it and, and just all the schemes and everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you guys had a fantastic coach in Sean Elliott, which I, I know – you guys, by the way, have got to be really fired up because I don't know if you saw the schedule for next year, but Georgia State is the week one opponent. So, Coach Elliott making his uh, – his homecoming, if you will, which will be really, really cool. But talk about so, Coach Ellie. I mean, he obviously was a game changer, I think, for Coach Spurrier and what he did coaching up the offensive line and the running game was, I feel, always a yes. strength, you know, especially those last couple of years and, uh, you know, the last run, especially 11 to 13. But what was it about Coach Elliott that you think made him such a – or makes him such a good offensive line coach and coach as a whole? Uh, you know, I think part of it was recruiting too. Um, but I, Coach Elliott was just – a hell of a coach, a hell of a motivator. Uh, I mean, he really got under your, you know, got under your ass. I mean, he, he got he got you fired up before a game. He got you moving, going. Um, 
You know, and also Georgia was a really good team. I mean, that defensive line was a phenomenal defensive line. So, you know, you've got, you know, a little bit of a rebuilding, but you're looking and comparing them against a phenomenal Georgia D-line. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, that you know, they'll be able to rebound back a, a little bit against Kentucky. Mm. But Coach Elliott, phenomenal coach, very excited for next year when uh, we play Georgia State. Yeah. I know he is. Yeah, that'll, that'll be fun, yeah. man. And obviously, everybody knows. I, I'm sure you saw him, I think it was like last week, he went viral again for the yeah. mosh pit antics uh-huh. that he has, which, I mean, we all saw that at Carolina. It was always fun to watch that in pregame when Coach Elliott would get in guys' face. I was kind of worried. Did you guys ever, like, beat him up a little too much? Like, it's, I, I feel like he – I, I guess he wanted that to happen. He, he was yeah. he was trying to get punched in the face, basically. Uh huh. Like, yeah, I, I I push Coach Elliott all the time. So if he's hearing <laughs> this, just just know, yeah. I, yeah, I pushed him all the time. Uh, yeah. But no, he got fired up. I mean, against Bama. So my official visit was against Bama. Okay. Uh, so we beat number one. Bama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I saw him come out of the mosh pit. And his face was all bloodied, and, yeah. and he was. I mean, it was unreal. Guy's yeah. a different breed. It's like I want to play for that guy. Yes. Like, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, um. You get to Carolina, obviously, again, we mentioned Coach Spurrier. What was that relationship like? Because you know, I'm always curious and intrigued to hear, and I know, again, we touched on it, mm-hmm. you know, last year when he came on, but his relationship with players is, you know, it's it's very different depending on, you know, your quarterback, your receiver, tight end, whatever, but as an offensive line. But you coming in, you also have that Florida connection, right? Yes. I mean, you, you have the Florida connection. So, yes. I forget, growing up, were you a Spurrier guy? Was it like a no-brainer connection to like, hey, Coach Spurrier's at Carolina, I want to go there? Like, what was that? That no, way. not not really. Um, you know, I growing up, I wasn't a big football guy, so I actually didn't really have too much of a clue of what was going on. Um, mm-hmm. Spurrier, Gamecocks, but uh, you know, I Coach Spurrier, you knew where you stood with him, and I'll take that all day. Um, you know, if he likes you, you know. If he doesn't like you, you're gonna know. Um, but I, I'll take that all day. Yeah, for sure. No, Coach Spurrier, legend, obviously, what he did on the field at Carolina. And uh, that 11 season, I'll, I'll say 11 to 13, man, how how, uh, how crazy was that just going? I mean, again, three straight 11. You you came to Carolina. You had some good timing. That, that was a, yes. not a bad time to be a Gamecocks football player at all. Some pretty no. big wins during that during that run. No, uh, it was good football. I mean, we had a lot of great players. DJ Swearinger at the time when I came in, Alshon Jeffrey, Connor Shaw, absolute winner of a quarterback. I mean, mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had great players, great coaches. It was just a great recipe for winning. Mm. Uh, and I think Carolina's on its way. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to coach you through this. <laughs> there you go. I, we're we're going to coach Mike through this, I'm I promise. Like, he's yeah. coachable. He's coachable. He's coachable. No, so, I mean, again, we, we talk 11, 12, 13. Most memorable game from those? Most memorable game from that three-year stretch? Well, I mean, there's a lot, obviously. I mean, 12 Georgia at home, 13 Clemson at home. Mm-hmm. What's the one – or was there like a welcome to the SEC moment for you where it's like it clicked, like, hey, this is big time, big boy football, as Shane Beamer's been calling it? So when we played Auburn, um, my fresh, true freshman year, we played Auburn. I had no oh, yeah. idea thinking I was going to start. And um, last minute, coach comes up to me. He's like, hey, you're playing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, it was, a, it was a, an awakening moment. I mean, going up again, I'm 18 years old, 260 pounds, fresh out of high school, going up against grown-ass men. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a real awakening moment. But my my best, my favorite game, one of the most memorable games was against Florida my freshman year uh, where they came into Williams-Price and we upset them. And uh, Coach Spurrier came up to me at the end of the game, shook my hand. He said, Mike, what a phenomenal game. Great job. I'm very proud. Looking forward to the future pretty much. Yeah. So, you know, with, with you obviously that was – I remember that game vividly. I was there. That was Connor Shaw. And, uh, you know, he took over in that 11 season. And, you know, people have compared – 
current quarterback Luke Doty to Connor Shaw and the skill sets and just, you know, being a mobile quarterback and what he can do with his legs. And um, a lot of fans have brought this up this week in regards to because Zeb Nolan, obviously the first couple of games starting for the Gamecocks, and then Luke Doty's going to take over. Does it change the way an offensive line operates a lot when you have two different style of quarterbacks and one guy who's a pocket passer versus one guy who can evade the pass rush the way a guy like Connor could or Luke Doty can? I mean, does, it, does it really change anything for you guys a whole lot, or is it just as simple as just go do your job? Do your job. Yeah. Do your job. Yeah. Yeah, because many, many have looked at it right now as, okay, it's, it's going to be some huge game changers. Like, hey, if you can't block, you can't block. Like, if you're not right. getting the job done, you're just not getting the job Do your done. your damn job. You, yeah, uh-huh. you, can't, you can't let guys have free reign, free shot at the quarterback. Um, yeah, I mean, dude, it's crazy, that Auburn game. That was uh, – I guess that was Garcia's last go-around. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, obviously Connor takes over and, you know, what happened the rest of the way. Um, dude, the dreads, man. What, what, you got to tell the dreads story again. The, the sto- again, I remember – I think I told you this last time. I remember seeing you, like, out and about in Columbia, I think 2014, and you were rocking the dreads. But uh, where did that start? Where did that come? You see how I got, like, the mullet thing going like, now. Yeah, but uh, I like Yeah, I might, I might have to go I into some dreads. Come, I, I, think I might, should, I might have yeah. to get some dreads. Bro, we, uh-huh. we go win an SEC. I got it. Got you. No 50-cent wings today, by the way, guys. Just throw that out there. No 50-cent wings today. Wing shortage in Columbia. Blame oh, Will Muschamp. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Blame Will Muschamp. No, I'm kidding. Um – but anyway, I, I might have to get the dreads. Where, where did the idea, the inspiration for the dreads come from? So I, I you know, you spoke on it a little bit earlier. I had a lot of injuries. Um, you know, the dreads came as a, as a, as a thing for me to keep going with football. I, uh, I had a point in time where I almost quit. Yeah. It was hard for me to gain weight. Lost a lot of weight after a couple surgeries. And uh, one of the things was this was my locks, my locks, my promise to keep playing football. Um, the day that I was done, I, I cut them. So the day that I said, hey, I'm done playing football, I shaved them off. But I miss them, and I want to get them back. <laughs> so if you if you if you get some dreads, I'll grow them back, and I'll. I'm about to say, I, being a real estate agent with dreads, that, yeah. that would you know, <laughs> yeah. Why not? I love uh-huh. it. Hey, that's called that's called personal branding, yes. separating mm-hmm. yourself from the pack for sure. Dude, it's just thinking back in those years you played, 12, 13. I mean that that. Uh, it's crazy you guys didn't get an SEC championship. It really mm-hmm. is. It really is. And that 10 team obviously set the, set the standard with winning the SEC East. And 11, 12, and 13, which one do you think was the best team out of those three? If you had to pick one. 11. 11? Really? Yeah, we really? had some absolute rock stars on the team. Yeah. Um, DJ, Swearing- yeah. DJ Swearinger, Connor Shaw, my favorite players to watch play football. Yeah. Seriously, as a player, I mean, watching them, I was like, man. You know, these, these guys play hard football, hard-nosed yeah. football. I was going to say, what do you think made Connor so good? Because he wasn't like a crazy, highly recruited player, but just like you said, he's just a winner. Like winner. one word to describe him, he's a winner. winner. Yeah. yeah. He's a hard-nosed football player. I mean, yeah. he played through injury. He did, He got it done. You know, a lot of times you see people, and not naming any, you know, anybody specifically, but you see people get hurt and, you know, they're out or they fade and stuff or whatever. With Connor, if he could play, he was playing. Right. Um, and he would find a way to get it done. But one word, winner. Yeah. Some guys play football for the Instagram pictures. Some play for the just the jersey. Mm-hmm. Some guys play because they love the game. That's that was Connor yeah. Shaw, just pure love of the game. And DJ Swearinger as well. DJ, yeah. uh, absolute freak, obviously. Um, Spurrier's retirement, because again, you were on the football team. How, how surprising was that that moment for you guys when Spurrier hung it up? Very. Yeah. Uh, we, nobody saw it coming. Um, just came after practice one day. I seen coaches didn't see it coming. Um, I don't even know if his wife saw it coming. I mean, mm-hmm. she was crying, surprised. Um, you know, but he, he did what he thought was best for him. And, I, you know, I believe that he did what he thought was best for the team. And so I, 
uh, full respect for him and, and uh, just unfortunate the way things unfolded. Yeah, for sure. Now, I, I don't want to forget to mention also, you won, what, three, four bowl games? Four bowl games while you were counting? Four, four bowl four games. Bowl game. That's, uh-huh. dude, that's insane. Uh-huh. Winning four bowl games. Favorite bowl game victory from your time there? Is there one that stands out from all of them? Capital One Bowl, my yeah. freshman year. So the game that I played started in my first year there. Yeah, that Nebraska. Yeah, Nebraska. Huh? What well, was the story? I don't know if it was you told me or somebody else that uh, Spurrier and pregame, you guys are on the bus and they're looking over at the Nebraska bus that has all like the conference titles and accolades. And it's like, who cares? Like, we're yep. going to go out and beat them anyways. So mm-hmm. the first 11 win season in school history, also, man. It, yep. That's got to be pretty cool to look back on and be like, I was a part of. I mean, that's, that's real history. Yes. Like, and obviously, you've got the 11 win ring, I'm sure, and everything oh, yeah. else. And, uh-huh. uh, no, and then it, it, it leads to, you know, Spurrier's re- resignation and retirement and everything else. But, uh, no, I mean, great times, great memories. Again, when, when you look at, we'll say, this football team, I know you got there just after Shane Beamer, mm-hmm. um, after he had left, gone to Virginia Tech and was with, uh, with his father there, Frank Beamer. But what do you – I mean, did, you, did he recruit you? Did he assist in recruiting you or no? Yeah, he was, he was part of the recruit, my recruiting class, but I didn't have much interaction okay. with him. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I mean, obviously I know that uh, you're obviously very involved. I think you were yeah. there the day that he was at the indoor and, mm-hmm. like, met up with a bunch of the, the Letterman and alumni. How, how excited were you to see him get the job? I, again, I know you guys had a ton of input, and there was a huge Zoom meeting with yep. all the former players and getting input on who should get the job, this, that. You know, we heard about culture, culture, culture. Who's, who's going to be the guy that brings that back? And I think it, it became – very obvious very quickly that it was a no-brainer that the guy who had seen the best version of South Carolina football and helped build it was the right option, the guy who understood what being a Gamecock meant. And how happy were you, I guess, when, when Beamer got the job? Very. I mean, you know, when you watch the games right now, you can just see it. He's happy to be here. Um, you know, he loves South Carolina football. Uh, he loves the players, and he, he's absolutely happy to be here. And that's, what, that's half the battle. I mean, you need somebody that wants to be here, wants the program to get better. And I have full faith in Beamer that he's going to do it. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think we're all really excited for Beamer Ball taking over in Columbia. Again, I always give credit where credit's due. And, again, I think to offensive linemen you have to because, like I said, there's a lot of intricacies to it, and it's not as simple as just line up, block the guy in front of you. There, there's a lot of schematics and everything else. But, you know, coming off a season like last year, Mike, where you paved the way for Kevin Harris, you know, I, I, you and I talked in pre, you know, just before the season started last year. But the offensive line, you know, when you – when you paved the way for a thousand yard rusher, you had a pretty good year. You feel like blocking up front, but you, you don't get to a thousand if you're you're not a very good line. No. So that's exactly what your offensive line did. And we felt like coming into this season, it was going to be a strength for South Carolina football and something they were going to be able to lean on. You know, shame you were talked about in the preseason, both lines of scrimmage being a strength. And early this season, it hasn't quite clicked. And again, you got to give credit a lot of you know speaking on last yeah. week. A lot of credit to Georgia. I mean, that, that line just incredible. And you heard Shane Beamer, what he had to say, the 105 stars. But it is, uh, it's a little concerning for fans when guys are run, running free. They're just being untouched. They're completely being unaccounted for. What have you seen through three weeks on the offensive line? I, you know, I don't know how much you've gotten to watch. But, you know, there's been some bright spots. But the, the, I feel like it's the blunders or the mistakes have been so glaringly painful to watch. Yeah, I mean, I think you just hit the nail on the head. I mean, the first couple of games, they, they look good. I mean, but, you know, that last game really showed a lot of mistakes, um, yeah. a lot of missed assignments. Mm-hmm. So just a lot of mistakes that need to be corrected. I think a lot of things could have been prevented mm-hmm. um, just by blocking your – doing your job, right. you know, doing what you're supposed to do. Um, but 
I think it'll click. You know, it, it has to. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, a lot of missed assignments. Yeah. How, how tough is it for an offensive line to, to learn a new scheme and system? I, I forget if uh, – was was Elliot? Elliot's first year wasn't eleven, right? He got there before that. Yeah, he was the year uh, the year before. Okay, okay. So I was gonna say, did, did you did you ever have to learn a new? I did not. Okay, okay. No. So well, maybe you wouldn't have the greatest perspective on it, but I'm just curious, like, how tough would that be? I mean, again, I'm sure you're familiar with guys, or you know, you would have some some perspective and insight on. It. I mean, how, yeah. how much does it change? Because again, what what fans I think it's a hard time clicking for them. It's like, okay, this is you know, you had four or five guys coming back over eighty career starts. Like, how can there be such a you know, it's such a contrast is from what we saw mm-hmm. from last year to this year. Like, what, what's your take on that? Like, what can change so much from year to year? Well, it's tough. I mean, if, especially if you came into a system and you've been using, you know, the same amount of plays, uh, formations, everything is your time there. And then all of a sudden now you're changing. But it's it's not an excuse. Um, right. You know, you, you do your job. I mean, we keep saying the same thing, but it, it boils down to just that. Do yeah. your job. I mean, it's – Schemes change all the time. Plays change all the time. So you got to be able to pick up on that and adjust and adapt. Yeah. We got a question. I want to read this one off from Travis. It's a great question. It says, with Mike being on the O-line in the past, what types of adjustments do we need to make? You kind of just touched on that. But give Mm -hmm. us an in-depth take on what needs to happen so we can get the running game going. What's the most important thing in run block? Because, again, it's a a different type of scheme. It's also a different mentality, Mm -hmm. blocking for the run versus blocking for the pass. I think – and. You know, there's a big reason why I'm sitting here talking about football and why the coaches are over there, so I just want to make that known. Uh, but, you know, I think that right now we weren't getting a lot of push up front, so running up the middle wasn't getting yeah. it done. We need to yeah. move to the outside, roll the pocket, things like that. If yeah. we're not – if our O-line's not really getting it done up front as far as regular mm-hmm. pocket, do something different, roll the pocket, move the pocket, yeah. uh, run to the outside, do something different because running up front's not getting it done. Yeah. Because I, I look right now, I feel like it's got to be more – mental mistakes than physical mm-hmm. mistakes because yes. again I mean it's you know and that's the thing I guess that gives me positivity and optimism with a line that they'll get it figured out it's like they've done it like these guys mm-hmm. have these guys have played good football it's yes. not like you're asking guys to do something they're not capable of doing mm-hmm. I mean it's obviously from last year so um yeah it's got to click this week it's it's, it's, it's got to click. click yeah, yeah you're, you're you know I, I I say a lot man I'm like you know if you don't have a quarterback you don't have a chance and in today's football you, you got to have the guy under center to realistically uh-huh. compete but if you don't have an offensive line, Nothing. you don't have a chance. Uh-huh. I mean, you really don't. I mean, I, again, I think back to when you played in those lines, you guys were really, really good up front. I mean, that's why there's, you know, guys that played in the league or still playing yep. in the league, you know, on those fronts. I mean, you, you got to have those big uglies. And you look at teams like Alabama, Georgia, the elites, they have yep. big-time offensive linemen for sure. James Kendall commented, by the way, Coach Elliott, when he came out of the locker room, after the rain delay against Georgia, which obviously you're speaking on the 2014 game, which was legendary because mm-hmm. I was there, came out of the locker room after the rain delay, ran around the field to amp up the crowd. That sounds like a Sean Elliott moment for sure. Electric. For sure. Electric. Yeah. yeah. Now, it, going to or looking at the Kentucky game, I mean, obviously South Carolina playing Kentucky this Saturday night, 7 o'clock. Memorable matchups with the Kentucky Wildcats. I know your first year in 11, you guys just pummeled them. Mm-hmm. That was Connor's first game. I think the final score was like, 54 to 3, yeah, uh-huh. just a yeah. domination. Um, 2012, I remember being a little bit tougher game in Lexington, which for whatever reason, those were always tough. 13, I think you guys jumped out big mm-hmm. lead and held on, won the game by like 10 or 14 or something. And then, of course, 14 is when things started yep. to just hit the fan for uh-huh. whatever reason. But 
memories from playing the Kentucky Wildcats. Again, I, I'm just sitting up here as a fan, a guy with a podcast, talking about physicality, and that's sort of the identity of Kentucky football. But would you agree, disagree, have a different opinion? Like, what, what do you remember most from taking on Kentucky? It's SEC football. Right. I mean, they got big dudes up front, big, fast guys up front, so it's SEC football. Um, you know, but that's – I mean, that's it. I mean, they play hard football. Yeah. I mean, no matter what, I mean, that, as far as memorable, like against a Florida or yeah. against a Auburn, uh, not as memorable, but – they play hard football. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things where, again, I don't – I feel like the Kentucky you guys played in, like, 11 and 12, is it's not the same Kentucky no. now. Like they've Again, you got to tip your cap. Mark Stoops, and they've yep. done a hell of a job in regards to building that yes. program up and, and uh, recruiting guys. And, like I said, recruiting guys, I think, believe in kind of what Coach Beamer is trying to do, getting mm-hmm. guys that believe in the culture and the system and everything else. Overall, your takeaways from Coach Beamer, what he's done over his first preseason and now, I mean, overall, it's just seeing the culture change. Do you feel like there's been a – a, a real shift in regards to the trajectory of counter football. Yes, I do. Yeah. Um, I mean, just even what he's done so far with recruiting. I mean, when he just came in, what he took over and what he did with recruiting, he did a really good job. And, you know, and even then, like, even though Gamecock, you know, like the last game wasn't very good, there's a lot of light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, when you watch them, they made a lot of good plays. They made a lot of, um, you know, they made a lot of improvements they, mm. from week one to week two to week three. They're making improvements, and you just hope that, you know, week four they've made enough improvements to mm. get it done. Yeah, for sure. Mike, it's been a pleasure, man. Yeah, I'm going to get you out of here. But uh, last thing, what's more exhilarating for you, selling a house, knocking somebody out, mm. or a pancake block? Like you just, like, pummel the dude, just drive him in the ground. Like, what's, what's, which of those moments is your favorite? Ooh, um, <laughs> that's tough. Uh, so I think the the best moment for me is maybe when I run, I make a huge block, I knock him out at the same time, and then after <laughs> that, I go and sell a house. That That's would it. probably be the best. The trifecta. Uh huh. What What's your most memorable like pancake block from Carolina? Is there Clemson. one that Clemson? Clemson stands out? My freshman year again, I, I pulled. It was a counter. I absolutely drove him into the dirt, and yeah. that was probably I still sticks with me today. Th- those are the ones that are uh, fun to watch in film study. Mm-hmm. That would do. That was honestly my first thought watching Georgia. Some of those I was like, God, I mean, that's you know they say the eye in the sky don't lie, and nope, yikes, that's that's gonna that's not gonna be fun mm-hmm. to uh, to go back and watch on no. Sunday. That's for sure. No. You feel about what, what would Coach Spurrier say when you just whiffed on a block? Is he just? Uh, he, he just made he just made you feel that small. Yeah. I mean, he just you just you didn't feel like doing anything. You just didn't want to do it. That's, <laughs> nah, that's my fault. I, I shouldn't have done that. And you just feel like Man. I'm the one that recruited you. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm the one that recruited you. That's my fault. That's my bad. I'm the one that recruited you. I'm the one that put you out yeah. there. So. Mike, always a pleasure, hey, my man. man. Thank you it. so much. Thank you. Again, Mike Matulis, 2011-15 Gamecocks legend. Give it up for Mike. Mikey Matulis. Thank you. Appreciate you, Mike. Go Cox. Pleasure. Go Cox. Yes, sir.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.